This is the Becoming Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Melke, here with co-host Marshall McElhaney. Integrating our knowledge and experience as family therapists, husbands, fathers, and men, we explore a wide range of topics from a masculine perspective, including mental health, relationships, fatherhood, and meaning-making in today's ever-evolving world. Thank you for listening, and welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Marshall. Howdy, Anthony. Welcome to another episode of the Becoming Man podcast. <sighs> Coming at you from sunny, balmy Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Living in a cloud. I'm kidding. Yeah. <clears throat> it's 45 degrees and rainy mm-hmm. on May 28th. We're in the uh, alternate office site, our podcasting site as well. We're in Marshall's office instead of instead of mine. <laughs> we are. Uh, we were trying to be efficient while yeah. I was finishing my sessions for today. We got set up. It was a good day. Are you sad? Uh, it's a little weird. Yeah, I thought so. It's okay. Actually, it's totally fine. I just like being in my office. <laughs> I really like my office. <clears throat> I know. Our offices are pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm... Uh, uh, very grateful we found this space. Um, allegedly, there is a uh, new spa um, going in downstairs. The uh, tech company moved out. They were only there temporarily because of the derecho. Um, and now a spa is coming in. And you should not have told me this. I hope you don't mind me saying you just had a big day yesterday. I did. You had your first visit to a spa. Um, to get a facial I did it was glorious I would love to <laughs> you already know how I feel we need to uh, I think our new office mates will probably need to you know I feel like there should be like a discount yeah maybe we can exchange therapy yeah, for can a we massage barter? no oh. uh, Darn. not with somebody in our office building <laughs> shoot but we can barter <laughs> um, if there's a spa downstairs cancellations are gonna get <laughs> <laughs> Way different here. So. Yeah. Maybe there will be a membership. A monthly uh, membership. Anyway. <clears throat> Highly recommend. Yeah. It's been 33, I'm 33 years old. <sighs> and I finally accepted that going to the spa is amazing. And uh, what are you going to do? Go again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I told you my uh, I have three particularly awkward uh, massage stories. Yeah. None of them inappropriate, just awkward. And I'm not going to share them on the podcast, but I, I need to tell everyone I, I pushed through the three strange ones that were mostly due to my own <laughs> discomfort. <laughs> but now, now I'm f- full advocate of of that kind of... Um, service. Yeah, man. Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. All, all the credit goes to my wife. She convinced me. And, really? Uh, amazing. Awesome. Sign me up. <laughs> she did. 
<laughs> no, she literally she signed did you it up herself. and got you in there. <laughs> she literally made the appointment. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, we're on a time crunch today. We are. We're celebrating, uh, or not we, you're celebrating the graduation of a, a special cousin of yep. yours this yeah. this evening. So <clears throat> we should probably get to it. Let's go. Okay. Um, so here's here's what I was thinking. Um, I was thinking about the idea of mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, last episode, we were talking about some of the men in your life that were really influential in who you are today. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of mentorship came to mind for me um, because of what we're going to at least start talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, with, well, I'm not going to spoil it. We're going to walk up to what we're going to talk about today. Okay. We're going to start with mentorship. The idea of mentorship, um, like I've mentioned before, I've, I've been involved in a lot of communities or um, organizations or experiences where uh, the culture uh, around what it means to be a, a man and um, how to like be formed into a, a good man. I just, <clears throat> I participated in a lot of communities where that was like explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, seminary was probably the biggest one or like the most explicit one but there are a lot of things that I was involved in besides that too um, you're right over there I'm good Just adjusting yep getting cozy <laughs> sorry keep going pulling the Dr. Melky putting your feet up on the desk <laughs> um, I'm talking to the soles of your shoes right now here I'll move my head you know, it's you're, fine. you're good it's fine they're nice shoes um Anyway, I've just I've been a part of communities a lot where intentional masculinity has been a thing. Right. Uh, most of them connected with religion, but um, that's the, I mean all of them actually connect with religion. But mentorship was always something that they talked about, um, and I think that's you know um, in different areas like I was assigned a mentor to be able to help me grow in this community and then I would become a mentor to help younger people grow Um, and mentorship was always so emphasized like you need to learn from other men how to be a good man and learn from people that have been down the path what to do and in a lot of ways I really uh, I value that a lot I value that experience I look for people that I can learn from because in a lot of ways, like we've talked, I feel like I've gone through a lot of self-learning, self-growing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I'm always interested in finding mentors. Anyway, something that was always implicit, though. Well, let me back up. There's also a long cultural history of mentorship, especially for men. Um, at least that word. Mentorship, mm-hmm. initiation, um, this kind of transition ritual or something like that where there's this um, indigenous communities are often pointed to for this and and in a lot of uh, things that I've read in the more like conservative traditional world they, they bemoan the loss of of initiation rights for men right um, and I actually read a book which would be really interesting for us to read together it's called wild by heart uh, wild at heart by John Eldridge mm-hmm. He's a Christian, um, kind of like, I'd be really, this was one of the most influential books I read. I was 19 when I read it. Mm. I don't know how much I agree with it now, but it woke me up. 
Yeah. Like it woke me up to a passion and uh, and uh, um, purpose as as a as a man. Yeah. That um, is very complicated to make sense of now because a lot of it was harmful, but a lot of it was really powerful and beautiful too. Yeah. Anyway, um, he would like introduce he introduced uh, um, initiation rites for his sons and a group of other guys did it too where he like climb a mountain and you know yeah. so this is something that's culturally embedded too sort of in, mm-hmm. in history um, but something that was implicit in all of my experiences of this and all of the experiences that I um, know of and of course I don't know all of them but the mentorship and the initiation processes was always male to male you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. was like men mentoring boys, men mentoring other men, older boys mentoring younger boys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is great. I'm not indicting that at all. Um, but you and I were talking after our last podcast um, about how do we continue the conversation that we were having about the men um, in your life that uh, influence who you are. Yeah. You know? Um, we talked about your dad, uh, a supervisor that you had um, in your master's program, and then also an old boss. Three three men that really influenced yeah. who you are today. Um, and I think you said it. Like, maybe we should talk about the women, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me just put some context around this, and then I'd love to let you sort of take it away and share some of your thoughts on that. Because sure. that's, that's really important. And he, So here's the context. I was talking about mentorship and talking about how the traditions have often been male to male, men to boys, et cetera, like bringing men into boys into the world of men, et cetera. Um, one of my bigger interests in this project and just like this work in general um, is helping men and boys orient to the new cultural climate that we exist in where the standard um, well maybe I'll, I'll say the the established process of of becoming man <laughs> I didn't mean to do that actually Be, you know that that's being challenged yeah I've mentioned it before in the literature there's this idea of the new man yeah. you know emotionally present the you know all of these things and and how there's kind of a disconnect a little bit between what a lot of us want is how we, as far as engaging in relationship and what a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with kind of our social experience as males. Um, I think part of this, and when I, when I pitch my dissertation project and my, and my theory in the psychological world about masculinity, um, my, my, my uh, catchphrase or my like punchline is, um, my goal is to help men remove the barriers that they experience related to their masculinity um, that get in the way of them accessing the full range of human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a little wordy. Sorry. It's an academic. But, um, but really, it's what things have, are attributed to masculinity that limit a male's ability to have the full range of human experience. Um, and by saying human experience, I'm saying the experience that's accessible to all humans. Mm-hmm. Males, females. Yeah. Uh, and, and so probably expanding the idea of mentor or um, 
sage or, you know, whatever wise term you want to put, uh, elder guide, guide, probably expanding that into the world of, of the women in our lives is, is critical. Um, because so much wisdom about being a thriving human Mm -hmm. can, of course, can be drawn, um, from the women in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that set up, I want to let you sort of share some of your thoughts on, on why you brought up the idea of maybe we should, did you bring it up? Yes. You brought it up. I did. Okay. Call dibs on this one. Yeah. I gave you dibs. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Um, but I, I think it's a really valuable thing. So I'd love to hear from you some of your thought, pro- some of the thought process behind, um, yeah, behind behind that, and then what you have to say about it. If you have a story or just some thoughts for today, and then we can do stories next time. Sure. To you. Sure. Um, the first thing that I was thinking of when you were um, presenting this idea was actually how our therapeutic process works. Um, I mean, you could probably call this a mentorship. You know what I mean? I can't pull off Marshall's putting the feet <laughs> up and I'm making noise. Sorry. This as in like your as in like, our like relationship as in, or? The, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and others, but like yeah. when, when like we have to have supervision, right? When yeah. you finish, for those of you that don't know, in therapy programs, or at least what I know for therapy programs in the marriage and family therapy community, you get your master's, you complete X amount of clinical hours, you pass a national exam, and then for basically two years, you are under a mentorship. They don't call it that, but it's not the same. Uh, it is the same, yeah. You're yeah. Right. yeah. So it's just interesting, you know, you were talking about this being something that's obviously um, been around for a long time, right? But it's still present today in yeah. even professions, not just religious communities and mm-hmm. other things that we're you're referencing yeah yeah the ones that i've been a part of mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's embedded yeah like internships professional internships right. apprenticeships for they just the trades. a different name but it's the same concept yeah like yeah. we have to you know <clears throat> guide you until you're officially ready so to speak earn your stripes mm-hmm. um yeah that was the first thing i was thinking of but what led me to the idea of of expanding our our view here on what did we call last week's episode? Authentic love. I think that's what it was. I'll look quick. But I think I, it's authentic love. I, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was just I was reflecting on it as I was mowing the lawn, um, and I was just thinking of uh, you know I try not to come into these episodes with with any plan at all, mm-hmm. and I was reflecting on did I miss something that was really important to me mm-hmm. um, in creating who I am right now. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came up, there was, you know, a really special, um, definitely mentor, mm-hmm. uh, who was a woman. And it's like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, this is also someone who is highly influential in my life mm-hmm. to the same level that close to the same level, the other three people, at least yeah. all of them, except probably my father. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like vital to, to who I am right now. Yeah. I was like, well, we're missing a, a giant piece of the puzzle and. One, this origin story, if we're going to go that route, but also yeah. just for what the podcast is about and this idea. Yeah. The the title was um, The Legacy of Authentic Love. That was close. We, we, masculine generativity, the legacy of authentic love. Generativity, generativity meaning giving, like life-giving 
engagement that's life giving. Anyway, love your titles. I love my titles. They're too. good. Thanks. Yeah. Um. So you're, but yeah, you're as you're sort of painting the picture of mm-hmm. who influenced you to be the man you are today. You said a piece was missing, and it was. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just it wasn't just painted by men in my life. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, I mean, you made reference to um, the new version of man or whatever it is, right? Where you can, you know, when I hear that and you describe it, it's like you don't have to just be stoic. Not that there's anything wrong with being stoic, but be able to express all sides of the coin. And whether that's emotional expression or things that, you know, masculine culture has deemed, at least in the past, like non-masculine or, or not able to talk about. Like, here's a person that was influential to all those things for me, for sure. Who are we talking about, Marshall? Drum roll. Don't have one. <laughs> Internet later. Um, her name is Michelle Stubbs. Um, mm. She is a juvenile court officer in Tama, Iowa. Um, I don't know if you know anything about Tama. You ever been? Uh, only, <clears throat> I think only from what you and... and the other Michelle have said. <laughs> yeah. Friend yep. Mich- your yep. friend Michelle. Yes. Other other therapist and friend Michelle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Michelle actually knows this Michelle too. I'm and sure, yeah. We both call her Mama Michelle. Really? Yeah. This is... Uh, so, before I... Well, even when I was in this program... Yeah. Um, Can I pause you? Yeah. Uh, oh, I did a Marshall. Can I pause you? I'm going to pause you anyway. Um <laughs> Can you explain what ta- what you're referring to with Tama, like the context before you? Uh, I, th- I I will when we get into it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I so I worked for a long time. I've, I've referenced this before, but I worked for um, a detention center and I did community based work. So in in all reality, I did crappy family therapy without realizing I was doing crappy family therapy. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but I was, I, I took a position out in Iowa, Benton, and Tama County, which are all pretty rural counties um, west of Cedar Rapids. Uh, Tama is uh, where the uh, Meskwaki settlement is. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, the Meskwaki tribe, which is also another, uh, actually be a really fascinating conversation for us to have at some point. But I, had, I actually had a lot of clients out there that, were highly influential to how I see the world today as well, but that's mm-hmm. we'll save that story for a different day. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mama Michelle um, was a juvenile court officer out there, and I've, I've worked with, oh man, I don't know, 20, 25 different uh, juvenile court officers in my 10-year career, in the well, pretty close to 10 at least, um, uh, juvenile court realm. And uh, Michelle was the best, if not tied for the best, uh, JCO I ever worked with. What's a juvenile court officer? Uh, it's a probation officer for, for kids. So kids that get in trouble, um, they, uh, depending on the, the type of charge, they will pick up a probation officer, which in Iowa are called JCOs, juvenile court officers. Yeah, cool. So they're assigned to their case. They're, they're the ones that assign services whether it's you know ones like mine or others or anything else and decide you know they're their advocate and other things not always an advocate I guess but uh, they're in charge of their case essentially until they they graduate or finish the program or move on to to other things Um, 
but yeah, I was, I was reflecting on it and it, it, it actually, I felt embarrassed that I hadn't brought her up in that episode, even though it wasn't necessarily the subject topic. Um, but man, it, it was, it was just even thinking about, it, I was like, how could I not talk about Michelle? If we're going to talk about people that influenced me into who I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, um, <clears throat> what feels important to mention about Michelle right now? Um, that, that felt so vital to include. Yeah. Um, there are a couple things I'll, I'll list them off and we can kind of dive into them. Mm-hmm. One is, I mean, we were referencing last week when we were talking about Phil and being authentic as a human being and bringing the person into the therapy room. Right. I feel like Michelle was actually the one who showed me what real curiosity is. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like she was always, well, it, it makes sense to me. What, what do you mean? Uh, for those that she don't never, share she dialogue. never, at least in, in my memory, she never assumed anything like whether it was some provider coming in, whether it was, uh, a, a client, whether it was a family, whether it was a, you know, anyone involved with any case or her personal life. Cause I mean, we called her mama, Michelle, obviously mm-hmm. pretty close. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, she never assumed anything. Like she always brought this like intense curiosity to every conversation. And this is someone I would spend easily. I don't know. I'll go in her office anytime I had time to kill and mm-hmm. just hang out for hours and, you know, mm-hmm. talk smack and catch up on stuff. And, uh, every single conversation that I can ever remember had some form of curiosity and zero assumption. Yeah. Um, Marshall, why is that important to you? The, the, being on the receiving end of a curious person mm-hmm. who withholds any assumptions, what what is it about that that was so meaningful and so formative? Hmm. I think I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think the rest will be something you and I explore in future future episodes. Um, to put it bluntly, there's there's no rigidity, right? There's no like. I'm going to tell you this and you have to do this and, um, I'm right. Like, you're not going to convince me that I'm right. There's no like join or get out the door, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, which had been my experience, not, not necessarily like that drastic, but Mm -hmm. sometimes with other, um, juvenile court officers, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, I mean, in my personal life, um, I had that growing up in a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, the church, some sports teams. Um, I mean, it, in some ways, uh, family to a certain extent, the rigidity you mean? Yeah. Okay. Like I'm right. Like don't question my authority, so to speak. Yeah. And this is, this yeah. is a person of authority. Like yeah. I technically did not work for them, but in all reality, totally worked for. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Like, I know what you, like you were, yeah. you were responsible. Your work had, uh, it, it, she had a direct investment in your work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we're contracted out, but yeah, these are the people that decide the contracts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so vitally important. Yeah. But she was she was one of the first ones that was like, there was none of that. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't that situation where someone has their head in the sand. Um, they just really want to know where everyone was coming from. Yeah. They want to know where the provider was coming from and why they thought the way they did and why they were doing what they did and how they did it. They wanted to know every kid's situation. Um, so I want to draw this out mm-hmm. a little more. Um, 
what maybe this is a way to ask it what came alive in you in the presence of an authority figure who was curious and open you're talking almost about a healing experience oh I mean it definitely was a healing experience for sure yeah so what um what what did that let me maybe put a little more context on this yeah one of the things I'm really interested in and, and invested in is exploring the concept of um, leadership. Sure. Uh, and what I've what I've landed on at the moment to try to understand leadership or or the use of influence is being somebody that creates um, or that holds space for the people that you're leading to thrive. Yeah. Um, and so. So I guess my question is for you, what was it? Because that sounds like what she's she did. She sort of opened up a, a, a space for you to be able to, um, I don't know, come alive in a certain way yeah. or experience something you missed. So, yeah, what what came alive in you in the presence of that of that? Uh, I mean, I think person. Oh man, I think part of it was like we keep using this this expression of like two sides of a coin, right? Yeah. I think the full coin in a professional standpoint really came alive. Like to to put it like in a simple way, but if I'm being honest and and I don't really have my whole thoughts surrounded on this mm-hmm. question, it probably came alive in much more than just a professional um, realm. Mm-hmm. But it probably started in a professional realm where the professional realm was really symbolic of my personal life, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And to have someone, um, like you said, inject that mm-hmm. into the equation, um, had a rippling effect, not just in my professional life, but in my personal life where it was okay to, to not be right. Mm-hmm. I don't know, to not seek control or, um, you know, have to be in control in every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was a sense of, with that, with that curiosity, brought an intense, um, started, I mean, I thought I was a compassionate person mm-hmm. already, but really unlocked a, an entirely different aspect of what compassion really meant mm-hmm. as a professional. And then, you know, trickling down probably at a, at a personal level as well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yes. It's. It sounds like it opened up a new area of curiosity and empathy for you mm-hmm. to experience it from somebody who was in authority. Oh my God! Yeah. And after having an experience of people in authority being more oppressive, mm-hmm. then well, this is this has been my favorite word: generative. Yeah. Yeah. So, what has made it worth it? to keep embodying what mom, mama Michelle gave you. <laughs> yeah. Like, why does this deserve to live on in, in your life now? Whatever it was she gave you, what makes it worth it? Uh, it uh, I feel it deepens every relationship that I've ever been a part of professional, personal, like it yeah. takes it from, and what I mean by deep end is, I mean, we, we've referenced this in numerous episodes in just different ways, but I'll use the example that at least resonates in my brain and I, mm-hmm. it was early, early on, but talking about friendships that, you know, I've invested in, mm-hmm. um, where there was a shared painful experience or being able to mm-hmm. share, not a shared painful experience, but being able to share painful experiences. Mm-hmm. 
And when that happens and there's a connection piece, those relationships deepen. Mm-hmm. Michelle's ability to, to show this curiosity, mm-hmm. the way it's instilled in me now is it deepens relationships that I want to invest in mm-hmm. or even relationships that I'm just a part of that, you know, mm-hmm. whether I'm investing in them or not, it's an ability to deepen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the curiosity is an invitation to the other person. It, yeah. It's a bid for connection, man. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Not only a bid, but a, a an invitation. Yeah, it's like uh, when I hear bid for connection, I hear, "Hi, please connect with me." Yeah. But what you're talking about seems to be even at another layer, saying, "I'm available for for connection." Yeah. And I really want to connect with you. Yeah. 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 Um. So, yeah, last week we I had asked you what your dad taught you about love and what your dad taught you about pain. We've been we've been circling around. I think what Michelle taught you about love. Yeah. What did she teach you about pain? That's a good question. Um, again, not totally formulated my thought here, but the first thing that comes to mind is uh, I don't know if it's necessarily about pain, but but to differentiate our thoughts around what's happening and our, and our feelings. Um, does that make sense at all? I don't know. This is coming to me where yeah, it's a sense. You, you got to peel that apart. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a whole nother the, episode. The old shop talk there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, essentially to put it like as a, as a real simple concept, differentiation, think of it like a seesaw and on one end you have your feelings on one end you have your thoughts if you're undifferentiated, um, you can't separate the two. If you're differentiated, you're able to separate them to a degree. Fair enough? Yeah, that, okay. that's good for now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, was, this was the other thing that, that, at least when I was thinking about uh, Michelle, yeah. um, really stood out because she was, she was always so calm mm. all the time. I mean, there were... <laughs> I won't, I'd love to tell stories we don't have time for it, but there's, there's buttons mm-hmm. underneath desks to like, Hey, uh, her, her office was connected to a, a, a prison or a jail and a courtroom mm-hmm. Hit the bu- hit the button, you know, people come storming in. <laughs> she had to hit the button a few times, but mm-hmm. like she, she, man, she had ice in her veins all the time. Mm. Like she was never flustered. And it wasn't because she was, at least in, in my opinion, a factor. It wasn't because she was denying any sense of fear. Mm-hmm. And there was just a sense of curiosity, and she mm-hmm. was she was willing to accept and remain calm instead of getting I don't know, like bundled up and and mm-hmm. all those things at once. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think this really answers your question, but no, that's okay yeah. though. Um, what just came to mind for me though is. Uh, it seems as if she was able to stand in the face of tragedy and do something different than most people that you encountered. Oh my God, that is an, a very perfect way of describing it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What, I mean, what, uh, fit, what fits? I don't know if it's necessarily in the face of tragedy, uh-huh. but to be in the face of. Uh, intense intense emotions and usually right 
they would come out as anger, but underneath all that was always some sort of pain or isolation or mm-hmm. rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, at least at the, the with the people that I was working with at that time, especially mm-hmm. the other other JCOs and and um, coworkers. She was she was one of the first people I've ever seen not match their reactions with a similar reaction. What she do was, you mean? <clears throat> she was able to to match them, um, match their anger, match their reaction. Yeah, she okay. wouldn't match with anger. Other people okay. would match with anger or other, you know, like into a power struggle mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know, match with the, match with the same intensity, maybe not the same emotion. Mm-hmm. And she was just she was always in control of herself. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter how irate or hurt or um, just reactive the other person was. Mm-hmm. Like, she really met the one with compassion all the time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, a, uh, it wasn't like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it wasn't like really sappy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It wasn't like, oh, I feel you. I'm so sorry for you. It was just, it was met with curiosity in the aspect of like, mm-hmm. I, I just want to understand and I want to try and help you. Mm-hmm. How do we do this? Yeah. Um, all the time. All the time. And she, and this will kind of tease out what you're saying earlier. Mm-hmm. She worked in a, in a community where, um, to be honest, she really wasn't wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, probation officer probably isn't super welcome. For sure, but then also a white woman um, working with uh, uh, on a settlement. Yeah, yeah. Really, really not welcomed. But for sure, she was, mm-hmm. and that speaks to the character of of mm-hmm. who she was and what she would exude at all times with with every single client, mm-hmm. um, with every single family, with the community, like. Mm-hmm. She, it was just, it's truly amazing to watch. Yeah. The, there's a couple of things that I want to highlight from what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, one of the things I'm hearing is that she didn't do much actual like verbal teaching that uh, of you. No. A lot of it was you witnessing her being in the world. Yeah. Yeah. She let me explain myself and I had to <laughs> teach myself that way Yeah. while teaching her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was teaching me, but yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, direct it was very indirect you observed her and experienced her yeah for yeah. sure yeah. yeah okay yeah um so that so one of the things that i talk about when i'm teaching and uh when i'm doing therapy and then honestly when i'm living mm-hmm. um i talk to people about the difference be, and i reflect on this myself the difference the difference uh between like putting my value um, or assessing my contribution to a situation, moving it from what am I what am I doing mm-hmm. in this situation or or for these people, um, shifting that from a from assessing myself as uh, hold on this is this is a complicated one. I don't want to judge myself on what I'm doing as much as how I'm being. Yeah. Because what I'm doing requires feedback from whoever I'm doing it with or whatever situation I'm engaging in in order to tell me it's good enough. Yeah. So if I'm parenting and I use a 
parenting intervention (laughs) to stop misbehavior on my kids, if my worth is tied up into what I'm doing, depending on the day that they're having, it's going to work or not. Yeah. And if, if, if I am looking at them to say, dad, you're doing a good job implicitly by stopping the thing that they're not supposed to do or something like that, Mm -hmm. there's a good chance that they're not going to be able to do that. And if I'm bringing my self worth into what I'm doing, um, I might put the burden of my self-worth on my kids Yeah. where it's like, you have to listen because this is how I get my self-worth. You know, that's, yeah. We don't think about that, but that's often one of the, the issues that comes up. Um, but if I shift it from the way I'm doing things, determining my self-worth into the way I'm being with people and in the world, then my self-worth is connected to how am I embodying values that I think yeah. are the most important to me. So if I'm, if I'm working with my kids through something, I may have to try a bunch of different strategies yeah. to help them if they're sad or upset or whatever. But rather than putting my, all my eggs in the, is this an effective method basket? Yeah. I want to put it into how am I being with them? Yeah. Am I open? Am I connected? Yeah. Am I separating their behavior from their self-worth? Am I holding good boundaries so that they feel held? Yeah. You know what I mean? I look at how I'm being in the world with them in that moment rather than what I'm doing. Yeah. And I talk about that working with, um, in therapy, you know, I want to be with people in a way that's authentic. Um, what I'm, what I'm getting from what you're saying And I feel like this deserves a lot more attention and Mm -hmm. I know we have to wind down. So maybe this is the place to, to, I was going to launch into something else, but we don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is that, um, this woman modeled a way of being in situations that somehow was transformative for you Mm -hmm. and somehow was impactful enough that it matters to you that you continue to embody it oh my god yes yeah yeah Yeah. and so maybe the next step to this and we've talked about this a little bit um but it still feels really vague just Mm -hmm. i think because it's a quick shot yeah um is what is the way of being that this this person in your life Mm -hmm. uh taught you Mm -hmm. that 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 you continue to embody and that you want to continue to, yeah. to, um, you know, if we're going on this idea of mentorship, what has she guided you in that you are now launching into your, uh, kind of like the full embodiment of it, the yeah. full practice of it. Yeah. Um, cause like that, that's the idea of mentorship anyway. Yep. It's you, you're under, you're under the guidance of somebody else for a while. And then that mm-hmm. somebody else says to you, you're worthy. Yeah. You belong. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, go. Go yeah. for it, you know. Um, I mean, we, so. we don't have time to get into it today because I'm setting my own boundaries here. i got to go celebrate it's another special someone and yeah. embody these things. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, I think the place where it resonates the most for me is in fatherhood right now. Um, that's That's a good place to stop. Yeah. And I think we should pick up with that next time talking about this, this, uh, way of being and how you're parenting. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, 
I feel sad that we have to stop because this sounds like a really good thing, but we have to stop. Me too, because this is fun as well, but yeah, yeah. we do have to stop today. Um, and we're so both going to go on vacation. Going on vacation. Marshall's going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Lake of the Ozarks. Yes, sir. It's going to be fun. Uh, so we'll be off next week or we'll have a week off with episodes. Yep. Um, In the meantime, no way back at it. Share these with all your friends. Share them with your friends, your family. Rate, review. Maybe your enemies. Yeah. Anyone, really. Anyone. Yeah. Your neighbor. (laughs) Your grandpa. (laughs) Don't wear headphones. Just blare it on your your walk or walking into the office. Yeah, who are those two soothing? Accidentally connect it to the, the Who are those two system? soothing men speaking? Soothing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, good talk, Marshall. <laughs> <You're doing it. laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>